Welcome back to Conversations with Ipswich School, the podcast where we bring together the community to explore more about life inside the school from the point of view of pupils, staff and parents. In each episode, we'll be in conversation with members of the school community to delve deeper into life at Ipswich School. So let's get into this episode right now of Conversations with Ipswich School. So hello and welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School. This episode is one of our Consciousness Club specials to celebrate Pride Month. So Consciousness Club is the group set up and run by sixth form students, which is all about inclusion and diversity and creating a safe space for our students to discuss issues about gender, identity and so much more. So today we're going to focus on identity and in particular internalised prejudice compared to outwards expression. So I'm joined by Silas. Hello. Hello there. And by Amber. Hello. Hello. Silas has been described as a pillar of the sixth form, a big personality with a heart of gold. And Amber, we all recognise around school for her wonderful fashion flair, a student with a knack of bringing personality and pizzazz to the everyday. So I'm going to get stuck in straight away. Silas, what is internalised homophobia? It's just when, um, when people have got ideas that are so ingrained you don't even realise it's a prejudice because you think that's the baseline, that's the normal, but actually it's skewed way to one side. So um, growing up, just simple things like when I was in, I think, year four, so I would have been, what, eight at the time, I had a hoodie with Chad Gap written on it, and someone said, ah, that stands for gay and proud, so you shouldn't wear that because being gay is bad. And it's just those repeated messages that build up to the point where you've got such a strong association. It's not a logical link, but you instinctively make the connection between, okay, something's gay, therefore that thing's bad. And it's unavoidable then if it's, if it's, oh, it's everywhere. No, it's so avoidable. It's easily avoidable if you just educate people and you make sure that everyone knows from a young age that actually, no, that's not the case. It's fine to be different and gay can be a good thing. If you have no regulation, you leave things to be as they are right now, then it will just continue to be a problem. So it's got to be about education. Yeah, it's just all about letting people know from as young an age as possible, really, because it's those really early ideas that stick in your mind and really change your perception as you get older. Oh, thank, that's really well explained. Thank you. Amber, what, what do you feel about that? Do you feel that's true? Yeah, no, I definitely. I think there's also this sort of idea that we shouldn't teach kids at a young age about sexuality or even homophobia because it might sort of lead to more homophobia. But I think because it's so ingrained in society at the moment, it's really important to put those, to explain it to them at a young age so they can recognise it and avoid it. That's really, I hear that, I hear that, that, oh, perhaps if you talk about it too early, you're encouraging, you're putting ideas into people's minds, and you're saying, absolutely not. Is that right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's definitely something you should bring up. It's telling people about mum and dad, that is a heterosexual couple, that is a sexuality, you're explaining to them, you're teaching them about that. So it's no different to talk to them about dad and dad, or mum and mum or even parents who don't identify within the gender binary. There's no reason why you shouldn't teach about that if you're going to teach about heterosexual pairings. There's nothing explicitly not age appropriate for LGBT education. Yes, of course. So it's all about diversifying the language that we use from a very, very early start and including everyone. Yeah. And I think that the sort of shying away from that is part of internalised homophobia in parents as well, because they'll sort of, they'll bring in this, this idea of sexuality very young when they're talking, sort of teasing their child age four or something about a girl who's got a boyfriend in primary school or something. But at the same time, we'll be saying they're too young to learn about gay people because that's like, 
that's sexual and it's they're too young for that yeah so there's one rule for one side of the coin and a different rule for the for, for other identities yes of course do you think that it's a generational thing do you think that your generation will make a difference i think that it's one of those things which has been improving over time it's not necessarily just a generational thing if you look at our parents generation there were people who were openly gay and there was a massive pride movement. It was just less accepted and well publicised than it is nowadays. Things are becoming, in a lot of places, increasingly more accepted. So it's a, it's a general move. Just, it's not just on the part of the younger generations. It's just led by them. But um, you also have increasingly reactionary and extreme counter-movements by certain particularly right-wing groups in politics. So. I think it's also it's something that it takes a lot of work to sort of train yourself out of when it's a prejudice that's internalised. I mean, the same goes for sexism and lots of other things. So if you grow up in a generation where that isn't around you, which actually I don't think our generation has yet, I think it's something that is still to come, you're less likely to have that. But I think also the generational gap thing can be used as an excuse for a lot of people. I know people who are sort of maybe in their 40s and 50s yeah. saying, oh, well, I didn't grow up with that. But I also know people in their 70s who are very accepting and sort of appreciate that they don't know it and they're happy to learn and you don't you don't necessarily have to have that knowledge of for example if someone like describes themselves as an identity you don't understand you can still look it up and you not knowing that in the first place it's not something you've done wrong I think people just need to be respectful and sort of open to learning new things okay I think it's it's a very good point it's okay not to know so a lot of people feel like by asking or by not knowing they are letting people down they're being prejudiced it's really I, everyone I've talked to would much rather you just asked. It's so much better to just be open about these things and say, I've never heard of that before. Can you explain it to me? Yeah, so just don't be afraid to ask the question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think there's this massive fear around it as well. Like, they won't ask and they quite often... I mean, sometimes people would sort of avoid people they don't understand just so that they don't get put into those situations. Yeah. And then it's sort of very isolating for the person that is like that. And it would be so much nicer just to ask and be respectful. Yes, I think you're right. And I think there's, um, I, I, I certainly notice there's a, there's a fear of getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. And the fear of getting it wrong can hold people back. But then, then, then nothing happens. We go nowhere. Yeah, I think it comes down to the difference between intentional and unintentional. If someone genuinely is trying their hardest and they make a slip up, they use the wrong pronoun for someone once and they apologise for it and that was not an intentional thing, that can be moved past. That's not an issue. It's when they make no effort to understand someone else or when they actively make an effort against it to use the wrong terminology or to not accept someone that it becomes an issue. It's fine to be wrong and to struggle with things, as long as you do keep trying. You've led me into my next questions, actually. What should we all be doing? And one of those you're saying is, is try harder. Not necessarily try harder, just try in the first place. But I think it all comes down to education, really. Because if you look at the way people learn habits or languages or really anything, from a very young age, that sort of reception through year two very impressionable and that will affect who you become for the rest of your life those things are glued into your brain permanently so if you introduce these concepts and make it really clear to people at that point actually we don't discriminate based on these things and these are also options they're not other in a category that you're not allowed to hear about until you're 15 then it's a lot easier later on to integrate into everything and get everything correct and I think there's a lot of, again, a lot of fear of sort of admitting that those those problems are still there around you. So people would be like, oh, well, homophobia is 
not there anymore. We're doing great. We're really trying. But actually, by ignoring that issue, you're not addressing it and not fixing it. Is it schools that have to take this on? Or is it parents? Or is it society? Is it everyone? Ideally, everyone would take it on and everyone would work together to solve the problem. But there's no standardisation of parenting or someone's experience of society. It's very varied person to person. The, the only consistent place where everyone has to go and learn the same things is school. So I think schools have a duty as that central location, that one standard experience everyone should have. They really ought to be teaching and trying to get these things across. That was very articulate. Would you agree, Amber? Yeah, and definitely. I mean, there's sort of this expectation that parents will do it because in the, in the past, parents have always, it's been their responsibility to, to teach about sort of gender roles or sexuality but actually they quite often will be a heterosexual couple who come from a generation that didn't have that education either so they're not really very often in a position to be able to teach that to their children so I think schools are much better equipped or can make themselves better equipped to give that education. Can we talk about the outward appearance now so I'm intrigued so does our external appearance and the way we present ourselves relate to our identity? Absolutely. I think even just on a sort of day-to-day basis, I think people maybe subconsciously, even if they're like, if they're feeling insecure, they might hide their body with clothes. Or I know people who are sort of, for example, a woman who feels like she's not curvy enough or something will then wear very boxy clothes to sort of match how she feels. And I think it's something that's really important to be aware of if you think it's affecting you, because you can then use it to sort of build your confidence. I think definitely when I started wearing, this is personal to me, but when I started wearing more sort of unusual clothes or like more fun outfits it really built my confidence in a way where I was I was afraid to wear them when I started wearing them but I'm now used to it and it really lifts my mood when I wear them it's sort of that piece of everyday creativity for me what do you think Silas yeah I think it's very easy to just go no everyone should exist in this very fixed system if you're a boy you wear this if you're a girl you wear this no room for flexibility that's how it's been for years a lot of people think that's how it still should be but I think that you lose so much by going for that sort of attitude. There's so many opportunities for freedom and exploration of identity of self through the way you physically appear to people because that is how you interact with someone. Their appearance, their outward expression is the primary thing that other people use to identify you. So being able to change that to better reflect how you feel or just to explore and see, does this feel right for me? I haven't tried it before. Having that option, I think, is very important as a part of the process of figuring out who you are. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. And so you, you play around with different looks, you try something that might be a little bit braver. And actually, Amber, you were saying that that gives you confidence. Yeah, and it's also helped me to sort of discover more about my identity because I started dressing in a more masculine way because it sort of I just thought I'd try it out and I've realised that I do prefer to present in that way. So I feel it's, yeah, it's been a sort of journey of self-discovery for me. Wow, okay. Do clothes make us happy? As with all material things, they can (laughs) make you happy. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to have them. It doesn't mean you have to have more of them than everyone else or better. I think they have immense potential to help, though. They make such a difference to the way people feel, the way people interact with each other. They can make a huge difference, but at the same time, they don't have to. It's a personal choice whether you want to go for that whether you want to change the way you look or whether you just want to keep it standard having those options is the main thing that they allow you to do there's just more diversity because of the range of clothes that we have available yeah what are you hoping that that we get out of of our celebration of pride month um next june you'll be on study leave but you'll be with us amber what are we looking forward to 
Well, I'd like it to be a really fun celebration of the, the diversity at the school, which I feel has, even just in the last sort of, I haven't been there very long, but I think generally in schools, even in the last like five years, it's much easier to be out and sort of be open. So I'd really like to see that celebration and also an improvement in education. In the same way with International Women's Day, there was sort of much more education and addressing the issues that are still there. I'd like to see that with Pride Month because I'm not sure it's something that is particularly talked about at the moment, again, with the sort of fear of admitting that there might be a problem. Excellent. So how do you see the future world for LGBTQ plus rights and awareness? How do you see the future? Is it positive? Is it the same? If you had your crystal ball, what would you be saying? I think I'd like to think it is getting better. I think it's very slow moving and in some places it's even going backwards like what's happening in America at the moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do like to think that especially with social media sort of speeding up that passing on of information that it is improving slowly and people are becoming more aware of it. And it's also becoming less acceptable in most some places (laughs) to sort of be homophobic and things like that and I think it is improving slowly but I think it's it's wrong to say that our generation are sort of we're like the fixed generation who sort of don't have that internalized homophobia because I think it is still enormously in our generation yeah that's been fascinating I've really picked that up Silas we've got your crystal ball what what are you predicting it's an uphill battle it's Mm. it was never going to be easy but there's so much more hope and progress now than there has been in years past. The last sort of 100 years, not been great, but we're definitely moving in the right direction now. And I think, despite the fact there are still people sliding backwards, enough of the world has got to the position where they can actually say, nope, we want to progress, we want to give more rights, we want to give more information. It's looking up on the long term. Okay, yes. So thank you very much, Silas, and thank you very much, Amber. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That's it for this episode of Conversations with Ipswich School and thank you for listening. To find out more, check out the school website, ipswich.school. Now, the next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.